seconds at midcourt. Jenkins gives it to Jenkins for the championship. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a special national championship edition of of the Full 40 with Chris and Rob. We are coming to you from my apartment. We're back in New York, New York. We made it. Um, when this whole where this whole postseason run started in the, with the Big East tournament, um, it is about seven forty-five on. Thursday evening, the parade was today, celebrations on campus, class was canceled like twice. <laughs> Again. I don't think any students went to any classes this week, nor should they. Yeah, nobody's going tomorrow either, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, the, the whole week is a wash, screw that. Um, <clears throat> and I, we talked about this before, we think alum, if the school's off, we think alum should have automatic Absolutely. days of vacation from their job. I emailed my boss, he did not go for it, but... I tried to make it yeah, happen. Yeah, Villanova's closed today, so I can't come. Here's my doctor's note from Father Peter. He's like, he says I shouldn't be able to come to, I shouldn't have to come to work. Right, right. But, yeah, I don't know. Anyway. So, so, anyway, the, um, we're, we're excited. I think, <laughs> I, I think today, we're appropriately excited. It's two days after the, three days after the National Championship, and we are still really excited. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Guys, what we just witnessed was historic. Not just because we won. I guess technically every time you win, it's historic. I mean, it was it was pretty good. The te- team team looked all right. The team looked decent. The team looked okay. No, but we just pulled together one of the most dominant runs ever, and relative to the competition, we just witnessed. Now we don't. Well, I'm not going to dig into is this with this team how this team would match up versus another team. Definitely a topic for the off season. Yep. But which, by the way, listeners, we're going to be coming to you during the off season as well. The podcast doesn't stop just because the season stops. Yeah, we're going to look at a lot of different things in the off season, and we really want to hear what you want to hear. So we encourage you to reply to us one of our tweets at at the full forty. That's T H E F U L L four zero. That's at Twitter. You could also reach out to us on Instagram. You could also reach out to us on Facebook. Um, you can find us at the Full Forty on Facebook too. We have a page. Like it, share it, um, comment. Yeah, send us a just, message. Just do something so we're not commenting to ourselves. Cause that's basically all we do right now. Right. Chris tweets and it's like you can oh, also Chris tweets and it's like. Oh, Rob, did you see my tweet? I'm like, yeah, I saw your tweet. It was really good. Like, <laughs> Nobody else saw it. But yeah, it was a really good tweet. Um, you can also email us at full4040nova at gmail.com. Be the first person to email us. <laughs> yes, other than Twitter notifications. You would be the first person to email us. We'll send uh, we'll send a free shirt to our first emailer we get. It's going to say, we're excited. That's what you're going to get. That's your incentive. All right, you can design the shirt. Go for it. <laughs> I'm on it. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, we're going to have a full off-season roster. We're not going to go twice a week, I don't think, in the off-season. I, I, I don't think we have that We'll much probably be more sporadic. Could be once a week. We'll see. There's a lot to cover still because all the way through the NBA draft, 
Like all the way through yeah. the playoffs in the NBA draft, there is content. Draft right? camp, plenty Co- of stuff. Kyle yeah. Lowry's gonna be playing for a couple more months, so we're we're gonna follow him. We're we're on the Raptors train. Um, we will keep sliding into your DMs. Just look out, listeners. We're yeah, coming for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's also there's the draft, which we know some of our players are gonna be interested in, part of, uh, maybe even in the lottery. We think. We're pretty sure. Phil Booth just announced today he's not going in the lottery. He's coming back. Yeah. It's shocking. Phil it's shocking. Booth is coming back. Um, and then we're going to look at in the offseason where this team ranks historically against other Nova teams, where it ranks historically overall, um, where does the program stand. We want to see – a lot of people have been talking, are we a blue blood? Are we not a blue blood? Are we this modern blue blood? Are we elite? What, what are we? What is Villanova now? We're going to dive into it and figure out exactly where we stand. Um, so that's Let's, all previews for future episodes in the off season, covering our, all the all the well, good yeah. stuff let, to come. Let, let's get into it. Let's talk right now about what happened on Monday night, which was, as was the case for all games that happened in March played by Villanova, we just blew out Michigan. Smoked them. Smoked them. Smoked him. I was a little upset. I called 79-64. Yeah, that was really good. On this podcast, <laughs> and it was 79-62. I was pseudo like being like, all right, just score another bucket. Guess I could be right. <laughs> um, although I will say this. The 17-point differential in the final score did not at all represent where that game was at. That was a 20-point victory, period. It, it, it was. It was a 20-point victory. I agree. And we... And by we, I mean Dante DiVincenzo continued to step on Michigan's throats all game. But my stress level throughout the entire game did not indicate that it was a 20-point game. Like, until we got to about three minutes left, and then I was like, okay, yeah, we're good. It was, you know, because they kept it close enough. Michigan did a good enough job. They kept getting it down to 12. They somehow never got it to single digits, which I was shocked by. And the reason we they just toyed with them. We weren't even letting them actually. We were like down to 12, and then we come back and hit a three. Then we come back and hit another three. And as soon as they got their fans were excited and like just like caught their breath after being down 12, they were down 18 again. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. There was nothing stopping this team. Yeah. If DiVincenzo, and like we need to give Dante his appropriate praise, but if Dante DiVincenzo didn't step up, I was confident we were still going to win by double digits because someone else would have. Bridges would have taken more shots. Bridges looked good. Bridges did look good. In the national championship game. <laughs> a quiet 19. Yeah. I mean, Brunson had four fouls, but like that was because he focused all his energy on defense. So, one or at least one of his fouls was BS. Um, if they needed him to play, he would have been a defensive liability, but he would have been out there getting buckets on offense without question. Yeah. No doubt about it. Like, the media is right to talk all about DiVincenzo and to talk all about how he's the hero and all this other stuff. Great. He totally deserves that. Wonderful guy. Came off the bench. Like, had a wonderful season coming off the bench. Filled in beautifully when Booth was out and was terrific. And he deserves all the praise you can get. That being said, there's nothing that will convince me that we wouldn't have won that game by double digits. Even if DiVincenzo has an average game. I mean... He averaged 13 points. I, that's a that's kind of a hot take. Like, yeah, yeah, sure it is. Somebody else would have stepped up and somebody else would have taken more shots. I don't know if it... We could have pulled it out, but it would have been way, 
Way closer. Nope, I'm sticking with my hot take. We would have won by double digits regardless. Dude. The shots would have gone elsewhere, dude. I'm telling you. We would have tightened up on defense. You're looking at a set. It was a 20-point game. DiVincenzo's average on the season, I think, was at the end of the day, was like 13-14. So you take away 18 of his points to go to his average performance. How about his his average defensive performance? Because he was – I mean, we talk about his offense all we want. His defense was – Phenomenal. Yeah, it's crazy that his 31 points weren't the highlight real play of yes. his game. His two defensive blocks yeah. were the highlight real plays that he had of the game. Yeah, the one, the first block is now getting overlooked because he had the man's block on Matthews, which was just unreal. But the one, the first one he did, he tracked all the way back, hustled all the way down the court, caught up to, was it Simpson? I can't remember who it was. He hit the ball twice. He hit the ball twice. Just stays in the air so long. I, yeah. di- I didn't understand it. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was, uh, he was very good, I would say. <laughs> yeah, he was excellent. <laughs> he was excellent. He was terrific. Dante's a gamer. We know Dante's a gamer. But this was the story of the tournament, and this was the story of the whole season. Every game, another guy's just going to step up no, and absolutely. carry the game. We're going to feed the hot hand and this, that, and the other thing. We're going to win. And it, it, it was really cool, actually, in the tournament because it, it absolutely rotated. The, the first game against Radford, I mean, whatever. That was uh, – everybody contributed there. Second game, it was – second game against Alabama, actually very similar in terms of the start. You need Dante to come in. Dante is straight fire off the bench yep. and just propels us to that um, to the first half lead, which is great. Then McHale takes over. Yep. Awesome. West Virginia, Brunson game. Yeah. Uh, Texas Tech was was a nobody game. <laughs> it was a Demir Cosby <laughs> roundtree game. Yeah, dude. DCR was so good. He had some great free throws. Pascal early on. also had a terrific Pascal game. Pascal had a great in yeah. Texas Tech. Kansas. Pascal. Pascal. And obviously. Spellman. Yes, Spellman was good. Yeah. Yeah, Spellman was good all tournament. Spellman was very good all tournament. Yeah, um, and, and which is kind of nerve wracking. Kind of nerve wracking, but I think he's coming <laughs> back. Um, but anyway, yeah. So it rotated through. Then obviously Dante came through. So as good as Dante was, I will point out some of his his great decision making at the end of the game. I was he makes those two inbounds passes. I think we turned it over like twice in a row. I was ready to flip out because I'm like, all right, the just game was the so game. far in. Hand. I know it didn't feel like it though. I was I was still just clutching at my chest the whole time. Yeah, it was just an unbelievable game. First off, Jay Wright, masterful coaching job. In-game adjustments were terrific. Yes. We were getting beat up down low by Wagner, all over the place by Wagner. First off, Wagner tired out. He was breathing heavy within like three minutes of the game. Passed out, couldn't stay in the game. That's what happens. They came out. People thought like Michigan were going to give – and like Michigan came out hot and credit to them. But this is exactly what we thought. Michigan knew they were the underdog. They came out running like crazy people, and it was only a matter of time until they ran out of steam. Well, and that matter of time was a little bit less than ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. No, that was. It was. Oh yeah, my. Oh yeah, my computer's shutting down. I feel like this is Becker. You know, do you guys work here? No, we don't work here. <laughs> anyway, um, we'll go. No notes. We're doing it live. We're doing it live. We're doing it live. Anyway, yes. So Michigan tired out. Also. The defense stepped up huge and just kind of clamped down on Wagner. And again, we pointed out in the Seton Hall game where Omari Spellman just got in Angel Delgado's head. He got in Mo Wagner's head. They got teed up yep. at second half. Omari Spellman, man, as much as I love him as a player, 
He is. He seems like a guy. Oh, he is ready to get people riled up. Yeah, but, he's a gamer, but but kind of in the, like a smart way too. Yes, he seems to do it very in a very heady manner, where he's gonna back out pretty quickly, and somebody else on our team's gonna jump in and pull him away. Yeah, but he's gonna get the other guy teed up. Yeah, yeah, by the time. Yeah, absolutely. And and so and so, Jay made an instantaneous adjustment. Got Wagner to slow down. Yeah. Once Wagner slowed down, they had nothing. They had nothing. No, there was really. I mean, uh, Muhammad Ali Abdul Rahman, to his credit, had a great game. Put forth a great effort, but there was nothing. They were outmanned. Yeah, they were outmanned, and and that was the whole story about any team we would have played in this tournament. Period. 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 In 2016, this is why. Sorry, I'm starting to step away. I'm gonna come back from come back to 2016 in a second. That's why we said here on the full 40. Book your tickets to San Antonio. We're going. We're going to win the national championship. There ain't nothing slowing us down. We attribute it all to Mikhail Bridges being hot. And Mikhail had a great tournament. But everyone had a great tournament. They did. That's because this team was – you just watched a team that was head and shoulders above any other competition in the in the NCAAs this year, period. It's not close. Any statistical measure will tell you the same. Anyone. Look at Ken Palm. More than four points – out of adjusted efficiency margin, which I don't want to get too far into the weeds, but like more than four points better than the next best team. Who's the next best? Virginia? Virginia. Whoops. <laughs> Awkward. Yeah. Um, and the crazy part is, too, that this team obviously peaked at the right time, but there's the potential. You could easily say this team could be better because we had to wait until the last minute for our defense to gel, given all the injuries. Yeah. There's yeah. more upside on this team. Play more games. Yeah. We want to play Duke right now. Yeah, give us – no, take the rest of the other 62 teams in the NCAAs. <laughs> just line them up? And just line them up and we'll play them every two or three days. <laughs> I like it. Let's just go for it. I'm not ruling out going 68 and up. You know what? Put the 2009 UNC team back together right now. We'll beat them. At, let's pause there. <laughs> I actually was talking about this with Sandro, who he's come up before in the podcast, been our only, our first and only guest on the podcast. Maybe our last guest. Yeah, we'll see. Accepting <laughs> um, guests, by the way. Um, and we were talking about this. The 2009 UNC team was the last team that had as dominant of a run through the NCAA tournament. Ironically, we played them. Um, as this 2018 Villanova team did. It would be so awesome. To play the quote-unquote game of the decade between this Villanova yeah. team and that UNC team. I think we win. It would be tight. It'd be pretty close. But, like, who, you got Hansborough on, um, on, Spellman? Uh, on Spellman. Hansborough's a little undersized, too. It's an interesting matchup. It is an interesting matchup. I think Spellman so Hansborough's more, out. much more, um, was much more skilled underneath. Just a little bit. Spellman, yeah. a better shooter, although Hansborough, by the time he was a senior, had a great jumper. More of a mid-range jumper. A Dante Cunningham jumper? Dante Cunningham elbow jumper. No, but he was um, – Hansborough was a hell of a player. Yeah. Um, the, but that would have been a really interesting matchup. Then you had contrasting styles between Brunson and Ty Lawson, which – Ty Lawson was just a blur – yeah, an absolute blur. Very good. And Brunson's like game under control type guard, right? And then, and then all the other matchups. You got Bridges. You got um, you got Danny Green. Anyway, getting back to the yeah. task at hand. The this team was just 
utterly dominant. And there wasn't a team in this country that I think would have beaten us in a game. I just don't think it. I think you could have lined up all 62 teams remaining that we didn't play. And going – I would put the over-under on, on, um, on the record at 66-2. and two. I was going to say, we probably lose two or three. Just because, like, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, you, you, 66 and three. 2 is what I would say we'd fare, fare again. And if we played those two teams again that we would lost, we'd, we'd beat them. Yeah. No question. Hey, what was your favorite moment of the game? I'll start with mine. My favorite moment, this is a little bit random, and the game is almost closed out, but it, it went back to it went back to a, a thing that we've talked about on the podcast. And literally when it happened, I was like, ah, something changed. Colin Gillespie drives under the hoop around Mo Wagner, drags Mo Wagner away from the hoop, and he quickly pivots back and takes Wagner baseline. Yes, and draws and the foul. foul. Yeah. I my heart stopped for a moment and I said, Colin, you've clearly been listening to the podcast. <laughs> you knew ex- and he looked like he knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah. He lined him up and took it to him. Yeah. And I was pumped. And I mean, they, look, the game was in hand at that point. Right. But it was just so exciting to see. I was like, that's Colin. He's a freshman. Taking it to their best player. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. It's really hard for me to point to a favorite moment in the game. Um, but there was a point where one of the – I had a neutral fan behind me. There's a San Antonian okay. behind me. And I had Michigan fans to the left of me. Yeah. And when Dante was just carving everyone up. He was going down. He was, and I'm not talking about the threes. He's going to his right. He's going to his left. Yeah. He's just drilling everything, getting to the foul line, the whole nine yards, and ones like crazy. Um, this guy turns to the Michigan fans to the left of me and goes, "This Divincenzo guy is killing you. <laughs> he's That's going amazing. right. He's going left." <laughs> And the Michigan fans are sitting there like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> like, thanks for telling me, Captain Obvious. Appreciate it. Yeah. How are, how are the fans around you? Um, the Michigan but, fans were <laughs> – there was a lot of Michigan fans. Um, they turned and, out. And they turned out and they were loud and they had the cool chants that they have going. I love listening – side note. I love listening to like all the other schools, especially the big state schools, like the Big Ten, the SEC, and all those places. They're like – their chants that they do, their their um, their traditions and all of that. I love that stuff. Yeah. Like there was a guy not too far away from me had a cowbell and it was, they were like dun, 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 go blue. They were doing that thing. Yeah. Um, and they had a, they were cheering like crazy and they were going nuts. And then as Dante started to take over, once Villanova took the lead, you could see that they were like there was this oh shit moment <laughs> collectively on all their faces. And they were still cheering as if this wasn't going to be over. Yeah. But you could also tell that in their in their heart of hearts they knew that like fuck, we just gave Villanova a lead. Yeah. Like <laughs> whoops, <laughs> shouldn't yeah, have done that. Yeah, we really needed to not have done that. <laughs> and like down 9 at halftime, you just got the sense that they felt like there was a sense of ine- inevitability. Like they could have believed and like said to each other, like, yeah, we just got to knock this down, like make this two possession game. And But you also do it in their head. That was what they were saying to make themselves feel better in the moment. But they knew what was coming. Yeah. The, the, uh, the atmosphere around me, because we, we ended up sitting in different spots. The atmosphere around, around me was pretty similar. 
the Michigan fans were really loud to start. Yeah. I mean, that stadium was rocking. Yeah. Not in a good way for us. The Michigan faithful turned out. They were going nuts, as they should have been. And it was just a rapid turn of events. Because, yeah, by the time it got to halftime, they knew it was over. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> we'll stick around for a bit, but this is over. Yeah. And, I mean, I sat there, obviously... With the start of the game, I did not expect us to be up nine at the half. Yep. I even had a moment early on when they got up seven. I was like, you know what? Maybe maybe it's not going to happen. I said that that thought went through my mind, and that very quickly changed. And then when we got to halftime, we're up nine. I said to myself, hmm, if somebody said I'll give you a nine-point lead at halftime in the national championship, would you take it? Especially with how you shot, yup, yup, absolutely, yup, no question. Yeah, that was uh, that was fun. And then it became abundantly clear early on in the second half that they couldn't generate enough possessions or enough offense to keep up. They had nothing. No, it was. And this is this is what we were talking about. I mean, this is what we we're talking about. There isn't a, there wasn't a team that could match us this year. We were the dominant force. We had. What you just watched was one of the most dominant teams in NCAA tournament history. Yeah. And I knew that going into their championship game. But Brendan Riley at VU Hoops had an article that was terrific about the mood of the fans and, mm. like, and like how you felt about watching this team. And I brought up 2016 before, and I want to bring it up again. In 2016, and this is kind of like the theme of the article, too – but in 2016, like, you went there and you were hopeful. You thought we had a chance. But you thought, like, like we could lose any of these games. Like, yeah. anything can happen. You went and, like, just tried to, like, be positive and think, like, we can get this done. This is a great team. What a great run. Like, like we're going to, like, hopefully we can get this done. You, you felt like... You felt like there was something magical happening yeah. because of the way the couple games prior had played out. Exactly. You thought that, like, okay, this has a chance to be it, but, like, ah, shit, we got to play Oklahoma, but yeah. healed. You know how that turned out. Um, and and we got to play UNC, this juggernaut who was just marching their way through the tournament. Who basically did what we did this year through up until the exactly. championship game. Exactly. Watching this team, you knew you were watching the best team in the country. You knew, the fans knew, the, 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 the emotion of the fans wasn't like, maybe we can go and get this done. Maybe something magical will happen to get this done. Yeah. You're hoping for nothing magical to happen yeah. at all and for us to just take care of business. Some people were like, are you nervous or whatever. This is what Brendan Riley was talking about. Brendan Riley was talking about how, are you nervous? Yeah, I'm nervous because like I, we should win and I don't want to fuck this up. Which is totally different than 2016. To, and here's the thing I just want to say about this. 2016, you felt like you needed every ounce of juju that you could bring to the table. Like people are bringing like their lucky shirts, the, the shirts I haven't worn, playoff beard. I'm not going to cut my hair. I'm like everything I got to do, I got to do exactly right. And then when we beat Oklahoma, I got to do exactly the same thing I did to channel all of that energy. Like you felt like the whole Nova Nation – Needed to do everything together. Every last thing. Roly Mazzamino showing up um, at the happy hour before before the game. Like, um, every Let's Go Nova chant felt like it was with a purpose. If the guy in the Darth Vader outfit 
who's like, I think calls himself Darth Nova, doesn't <laughs> doesn't show up. Name. Yeah, doesn't show up. You feel like you're just not going to get like everything. You felt like everything needed to come together. Everyone needed to be there. It was just like a full on team effort. Obviously, the guys on the court, but everything was needed. Even Archie Diacono after the Oklahoma game, yelling, running into the locker room, yelling. This doesn't mean shit if we don't win on Monday. Right. Like every ounce of everything that happened along that run, you felt like you needed all of that for Chris Jenkins' shot to hit the bottom of the net. Yeah. Right? In 2018, no. No, none of that. There was no juju. You didn't need it. There was nothing There was nothing that fans could do. Yelling, let's go Nova, felt like a release of pent-up energy more than anything else. Like You felt well, like you were just shouting into it, the it, distance. It just annoyed the fans around you because they're like, they're, you're up 18. Stop yelling, let's go Nova. You're right. Like, okay. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm energetic and I had to release <laughs> yeah. this somehow. Right? It didn't matter if you wore the same thing. You could have worn whatever. You could have worn Michigan gear. It didn't freaking matter. Nothing freaking mattered. It would have been bold. Yeah, it would have been bold. <laughs> but nothing mattered about this game. Nothing. It was purely the team on the product on the court was better than everyone else. As I said on a previous podcast, the 2016 team was the 96 Yankees. What you just watched as a Yankees fan, I can say this definitively, what you just watched was the 98 Yankees. We're going to kick everyone's ass, lose a couple games mystifying during the regular season, and then run through the postseason like like we were playing at a different game, like a different level than everybody else. Yeah. That's what this was. This was showing up in the home white jerseys as the favorites and rampaging through everybody. It didn't matter. Nothing there is nothing that could have happened differently that would have that would have changed the outcome of this tournament. We were going to win this the entire time and we we're going to win every game by double digits regardless of what happened. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. That's what you just watched. What you just watched was a dominant dominating, unbelievable performance that will go down in the history books. For sure. Well, it was funny, too, like, watching the rest of the country come along to that same conclusion gradually, right? Like, as the tournament moved on and we just had one dominating performance after another, the narrative, like, the narrative going into the tournament was... Oh, yeah, like, Villanova's got the easiest route. And then, obviously, all the chaos happened around the regions. And the, the narrative started changing. Oh, Villanova got a, a great win. Oh, Villanova throttled West Virginia. Oh, Villanova was horrible and still crushed Texas Tech. Right. And the narrative is just shifting and shifting and shifting to, oh, yeah, this team's really good. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's a clear favorite for best team. Yeah. And then when you're West watching game, ESPN and it's Villanova, Kansas, two one seeds, Kansas got a Hall of Fame coach on the sidelines. Yeah. And as their own. All-American player in Devontae Graham and their own lineup of talent players and all the ESPN analysis analysts, Billis, Greenberg, etc., are like, yeah, we're picking Villanova to win. Villanova's yeah. going to win this game. Absolutely. And then the Michigan game, and they come out with like the ESPN and the CBS, who's going to win? And like ESPN was basically told one of their writers. I think it was Biancardi, like, hey, man, pick Michigan, because otherwise we'd look It was this. literally 24 of 25. Yeah, pick and it Villanova. was clearly, like, he didn't want to even pick Michigan. <laughs> like, if you read, he, like, loves, he's, like, their recruiting guy. He, they, he loves Villanova, he loves Jay Wright, loves what they've done. He was like, 
You could tell that they went up to him and was like, yo, dude, someone, you drew the short straw, man. <laughs> You're going to have to pick Michigan here. Otherwise, it's going to look real weird. He's probably like, all right, well, what score do you want me to put down? Yeah, exactly. I don't even care. Exactly, exactly. Everyone else picked Villanova. Some some of them picked it not even close. Some of them picked it close to, like, be nice. Like, no. Yeah. Everyone was picking Villanova. There was an article that was just like, let's be honest, on CBS Sports, let's be honest, Villanova – Michigan doesn't have a prayer of winning this game. That's what people were saying about Villanova. Villanova is no longer, folks, the punchy underdog. Yeah. No. We were the overdog, the favorite. The overdog. The overdog. The favorite in this tournament. And now we're the saviors of college basketball. Yeah. And the media is like, thank goodness for Villanova saving college basketball. You were thinking they were using the word champion to describe us in both senses of the word. Like, A, champion, like you won, but B, champion in that you're championing the cause of college basketball and all that's good and righteous about college basketball. Yeah. I mean, the praise is – the praise we're getting across basically every media outlet is unreal. It, yeah. I would actually say it is unprecedented because the narrative and the stories people are talking about are not just – oh, Villanova won a great game, which was what the narrative was in 16, right? right. It is a couple things. It's one, this is a, a fundamental change in the way the game of basketball is played. Correct. Because Jay Wright is now on a pedestal of champion, championing, wow, I can't even say the word, and being ahead of the game and pushing essentially the Golden State Warriors small ball lineup. He's, he's going to be remembered in history as the guy who led that shift in college basketball, period. Which right. is unreal. Right. <laughs> so th- that's one narrative that's happening. The second narrative that's happening is exactly what you said. Is, oh, this season was marred by scandal and FBI probes. And Villanova was a, a program that's clean. Like knock a on beacon wood, of light. A beacon of light. And all is right in the world. Third, this is a season of chaos without a dominant team. And nope, this is a dominant team. Yeah. And the last, Actually, there was a great team. Actually, there was a great team. And the last thing was that this is not a great team. This is a great culture and a great program. The, I haven't seen a narrative. Like, like I, don't re, I don't remember a narrative like this coming out of other recent championship wins. There's so much credit that's being given to Jay and to the team and to the program. It's an amazing time to be a Villanova Wildcat. One of our, one of our friends... What was, a time to be alive. One of our time to be alive. One of our friends I was talking to the other day, he was like, yeah, yeah, we, uh, we really bought low on that Villanova degree, didn't we? Like, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's just... Every outlet you turn to is just basically going crazy i mean you started seeing the inklings of it even just hearing from coaches like chris beard we talked about this on an earlier podcast chris beard of texas tech is not like a coaching tree jay right now but he's a disciple yeah he's a disciple he like ascribes to the villanova style of building a culture and toughness and all that stuff like he's bought it you you think that mid-major coaches across the country are going to start adopting that style? Absolutely. Absolutely. Major coaches are going to start adapting to this style. Yeah. Should we talk about the celebration in San Antonio afterwards? Because Villanova fans rampaged through San Antonio. Yeah, Villanova fans rampaged everywhere, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because the campus looked like... 
looked like a crazy place. <laughs> per usual. I mean, per usual because we just win national championships all the yeah. time. Title town. Title town. Um, yeah, San Antonio. Let's, let's spend a couple minutes on San Antonio. We talked about San Antonio a little bit on our, our previous podcast. We obviously, we won. We're there Sunday night, or Sunday night. We're there Monday night. And we win. We're like, let's go out. Let's just crush this town. Unfortunately, San Antonio was also like, hey, it's Monday night. <laughs> a lot of stuff is closed, man. Right. <laughs> like, but wait, the river wait. walk was wide open. The river walk was, was pretty open. Yeah. I would say it's pretty open. I wouldn't go wide open. We walked around the river walk. Obviously, Villanova fans. Everywhere. Everywhere. There was a, I would say, 50 to 100 person line to get inside of the team hotel. It's yes. a huge hotel. We right. tried to get in. We're just like, uh, I don't want to wait like a half hour to get into a hotel. Right. So like, we went back to the river walk. Wandered around. There were lines outside of tons of bars. Right. There was a line outside of CVS. People were loading up, just buying like 12 packs and whatever they could find that included alcohol in it yep. to consume. Yup. And we ended up at, where did we end up at? Dick's. Dick's Last Resort. God, that was horrible. Yeah. But they sold alcohol. Yeah. It was the important thing. That's all that mattered. It was really the Nothing only thing that mattered. Nothing else mattered. Yeah. So we go to, so we go to this place. I found a seat outside. Rob wanted to drink faster than that. Yeah, I was. So, at, so. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, you know why I was so annoyed? So, I hadn't. I was looking at my watch, and I was thinking it was twelve, or I was thinking it was one, like one o'clock, and it was actually only twelve o'clock. So I was thinking we only had one hour to drink. Right. So that's why I was in such a hurry to get to the bar, and then somebody realized after I had done a couple shots that. Oh no! You have two hours to drink. I was like, "Oh, oh okay." Yeah. Slow your roll a little bit. So that's, anyway, that's why I was so they a did a boat cruise on the river with all the fans, and I'll post these pictures on Facebook. But they did, and the videos. But they did like this this awesome boat cruise with the team and the parents of the team and the band and the cheerleaders and everything, and it was mayhem. Super cool. Super cool. Like, talk about traditions. Like, one might have been born because on either side of the river, which was loaded with Nova fans, they were yelling Nova, and the other side was yelling Nation. You know that chant that Jay Wright tries to start at every Hoops Mania <laughs> that, like, never takes off? We finally did it. It'll never happen again. Unprompted. It'll probably never, never happen. happen. No. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> but, like, they were doing it, and it was crazy. Let's go Nova's like crazy. People were throwing – there was a guy who bought beer, like a can, like cans of beer, you said, like a CVS. And they were chucking the beers back and oh forth God. to one another across the river, like going nuts every time it was a com- successful completion. It was pretty awesome. I think someone went in the river. Did you see the – wait, are you talking about – you see the video of the kid who like dove in head first? Yeah, that's what I'm talking yeah, about. That I saw that. really fucking dangerous. Why would you do that? <laughs> then if you read the comments on Instagram, it's like, yeah, the kid was bleeding all over. I don't want to make fun of this kid's listening like – if this kid's listening, that was dumb. Yeah, you shouldn't have done that. You're a stupid idiot. Yeah, that was really dumb. <laughs> you don't you don't jump in water head first unless you know how deep it is. Anyway, side note: people were going crazy. Synopsis. Yes, it was a blast, and it was it was awesome. It's a team went by like oh the team like the fans start yelling Divincenzo, and then you could see the team yes. yelling it. They yes. did it again. They did it again. Brunson started a DiVincenzo chant at the parade today. Yeah. Um, so it was really just like a marvelous – my wife who came with me said like, 
honestly, like the Riverwalk was cool during the weekend and whatever. But like that experience made the whole Riverwalk, the whole San Antonio experience like that much more. It was a cherry on top of like a perfect weekend. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, yeah, your, your wife, by the way, side note, I think your wife was like more excited and like more like ready to go for this Final Four than you were. That's, she was like, that's a hot take. That's a hot take. She was pushing. She's like, I want to go. I missed 16. I want to be there. Yeah. She, she was, was she was pumped. My wife was jacked up. Linda is a saint. We've gone over this before. Uh, huge Nova fan at this point. Uh, and yeah. But Linda and I started dating in like 2012 or 2013. The dark age. So, you know, well, kind of, but like shortly after we started dating though, Villanova just ripped off like 165 wins. Are so you she's saying, kind are of you like saying a, this resurgence is due to Linda? It, it could be. I'm also saying she's a front runner. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, no, but in all seriousness, the um, the whole experience was terrific. Yeah, it was. San Antonio is all in all the fact that it is a small city, pain in the ass, like we talked about from a logistics standpoint. But once you're there, it's pretty cool. It was pretty cool. It was really cool. You got to see between San Antonio, and Houston, Houston, you were on your own island. Yeah, you only saw other opposing fans when you were near the stadium. In San Antonio, you saw fans everywhere. And, like, kudos to Kansas fans and the Michigan fans. Everyone was really polite. Super nice. Yeah, everyone Kansas, was super nice. Kansas fans especially. I was you wanted to be like, oh, just kick your ass and, like, talk shit. Yeah, yeah. Like you would coming out of Madison Square Garden in, in the Big East tournament. <laughs> Maybe the Big East is just a little nastier than – I mean, it's the Northeast. It I comes mean, to the territory. It's when true. In Rome, it's true. When in Rome. But now we've had, like – both Kansas fans and I remember Oklahoma fans after in sixteen were, were also very nice too. I mean, maybe that's the happens when you just get smoked. Yeah. You're like, eh. like you've got time to adjust to it. You're not too bitter. You're like, yeah, that was that was just a straight up better team. Yeah. Meanwhile, if you lose by like one possession, pretty, some luck chuck sure shot UN, or refs or whatever, maybe it'd be a different. Pretty story. sure UNC fans are still bitter. Like, oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, so San Antonio was a blast. Um, should we talk about talk a little bit about the merch? Merch is not great. Not great. Not great. Not great. <laughs> yeah. It's not as good. I really like the graffiti national champion twenty sixteen yeah. shirt. I really like those. It was great. Um, I thought the hat, like we're actually staring at the hat. I thought the hat for the champions was really good in twenty sixteen. The hat this year is. I'm not a big fan. Um, yeah. The the one thing I will say is that like the the Villanova official national champions logo this year is way cooler. Yeah, that just screams like dynasty. Type like the stuff. the digital logo, not like the one that. It's like not on anything though. No, no, you could buy shirts on. Oh, okay, I saw it on Fanatics. Right. All right, that's what I was looking at potentially uh, getting. Okay. Um, yeah, but the rest of the stuff is like there's like gold everywhere. Like yeah. it's, it's it's like Philadelphia Union colors. It real. That's exactly what it is. It's really weird. Yeah, I don't I don't quite get it. That said, I'm I'm getting more on board with it. Agree though, it's not as good as sixteen. No. We're getting spoiled. Our championship merchandise isn't as good as two years ago. Yeah, someone needs to file a complaint with Nike. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So which Nike would be like, shut up. Like, Yeah. Oh, you know what we need to file a complaint about Nike about? I want more jerseys. I want to buy the, the home whites. The home whites that we used for the championship. Yeah. I want that jersey. They don't sell the throwbacks, and it's really annoying. It's because really we're annoying. such a small school. Like, the, the fan base is too small to make it make sense for them. I feel like those jerseys – I like the shorts. Forget the top, the short to me, the the throwback shorts with the with the cool old Villanova. Yeah. Oh are, yeah, 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 those are no, sick. Um, 
All right, so anyway, merch sucks. I'm still going to buy plenty of it. Yeah, definitely. No question. No question. <laughs> I mean, half my disposable income goes to Villanova anyway. So I mean, what the hell is another, it's, it's what the hell's another couple hundred bucks? Um, so let's let's get into something a little bit off, off yeah. kilter a little bit here. Yeah, let's so, do it. So with the national championship comes a uh, particular invitation um, to a specific place. Located in Washington, D.C., known as the White House. Yes. And we're not going to get politic political here, but we are going to acknowledge some truths that, that are out there. Yeah. And one of those truths is that in recent memory, there have been several teams that have spurned the invitation or have been uninvited. Um, um, to the White House for the reception with Donald Trump. Uninvited after they spurned the invitation. Correct. Correct. But anyway, I don't want to get too deep into the pol- politics side. But that's a reality of something that's happened. It happened mm-hmm. with the Warriors very very famously, very recently, etc. And every time you get a cycle in the news cycle about who's right, who's wrong, blah, 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 whatever. Well, we've now entered this stage of, okay – we're going to talk about it first because it's going to come up soon. We're still celebrating, so no one's bringing it up yet. But it's only a matter of time before someone brings it up. So we just get ahead of it here at the full 40. Someone is going to ask us, and that person will be Donald Trump, to come visit the White House. Yep. We went in 2016 when Obama was still the president. And it was clear that it was like a unbelievable moment for the team. Jay looked even more like a million bucks than he usually does. Jay he was, was, was on cloud now. Oh, he was beaming from... From, like, yeah. Jay's never announced who he votes for. Jay voted for Obama. Oh, yeah. I can guarantee you Jay voted for Obama. Yeah, without question, <laughs> he did. I know this for a fact. I drove past, like, we used to, he moved since. But on campus, like, there were people who knew where Jay kind of lived. And outside of Jay's house was this massive Obama 08 sign. Yeah. So, so like, we're, we're confident on this one. <laughs> well, and he, he looked like a kid in a candy store. Talking with Barack Obama. Yeah, was like, yeah. He was so pumped. Anyway. He was jacked up. No, granted, I would be jacked up no matter what. But, like, Bush, White House, etc. would have been jacked up. I, I would agree. Until but, now. It's, but a, it's a, different this, this, a different time. This time is a little bit different. So, this is interesting because when, you know, the off year between our national championships, <laughs> when we were the overall number one seed yeah. in the NCAA tournament... Jay sat down with Sports Illustrated, and you should Google uh, Google it because it's a really good interview. And Jay, as typical, was classy as hell and gave a really thoughtful answer to the question. But the question was asked by Sports Illustrated, and he was asked like, um, "Okay, if you win, like, what would you do? Would you go to the White House to visit Trump, like?" Are your kids aware of the politics? Like, are is do you guys talk about it as a team? Like, would you, would and you this force is, anybody to go? And the, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And this is fresh after the election. So if yeah. you want to watch the videos, this is 2017. So this is fresh. Like, Trump it's, had only been inaugurated. It's like a month for, after he got inaugurated. Yeah, yeah. So, but like to give a synopsis without putting words in his mouth of what Jay said, Jay was just like, we would have to have a long talk about it. And, and it would be an interesting consideration. I would hear their thoughts about what they wanted to do, if they wanted to go, if they don't want it to go, etc. Jay's general take on most things 
is that if you guys are going to enjoy the spoils of being a Villanova basketball athlete, then you have to do the things you don't necessarily want to do that also comes with being a Villanova athlete. It was one of the things he said. But, but it was but framed said, in a positive manner. It was correct. framed in, in essentially you are acting as a, a representative and showing essentially kind of like the good of Villanova. Like Villanova represents a lot of great things. Right. This is an opportunity sh- to show that great thing, N- not just the basketball team. Like he meant it beyond or meant it broader than that. To show those great things to a much broader audience. Exactly right. That's what he meant by that quote. And Jay said like – and so the, the person, the interviewer asked him, what is it – like what if your players – what if you talk to your players and your players were adamant about not going? Like would you respect that? And he was like, of course I would respect that. And we'd have to have a real long talk about it. I'd want to see like how, how like passionate they were about this feeling and this, that and the other thing or whatever. So, I mean, based on all of that, my guess would be that Jay would vote to go. I get the sense after listening to that that he would definitely go. Right. But there are different pressures on Jay Wright than there are on basketball players. Absolutely. Yeah. And these basketball players who are aware of politics, smart kids, clearly like like very intelligent, very attuned and very focused on a lot of different things, not just basketball, uh, are probably going to get some external pressure to not go. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is one where it doesn't matter what what decision you make. There's going to be criticism, and I mean, look, that comes, correct that on comes, both sides. That comes hey, on both on both sides. Yeah, um, <laughs> as our president is. Yeah, often off to point out. Um, yeah, like it's one of those things as a public figure and a group that's in the spotlight, people will criticize you no matter what you do. And you just need to be able to kind of stand behind why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. We're, it's a great privilege that we have, as Jay pointed out in the interview, it's a great problem to have. We are the national champions, and so we have to deal with this this issue. So you could have people pr- pressing the student, uh, the basketball players to not go and visit. And then you also have outside influencers to the university writ large, yeah, alums, etc. And let's be clear here. Let's be honest. Like, for a university, right? Villanova alums skew more conservative than I would say a lot of other universities alums. Yes, skew. Right? I don't think with its earth shattering information. Right. Broad, broadly. Yeah. Now, there's, clearly, you can find plenty of people out there, and we went to school with a lot of them who skew way more left. Right. Right. But. But there is a large swath of people who skew more conservative. Yeah. So, so you're going to have outside pressure on the school, on Father Peter, on Jay to go. And so you're going to have all these things. It's all, all we're saying here, we're not, again, not getting into politics. All we're saying here is that it is going to be an interesting discussion and an interesting reality that will play out. My hope, to be candid with you, is that – the event comes and goes without much fanfare or attention or anything. Yeah. That would probably be the best case scenario possible. Yeah. yeah. Because otherwise there's going to be fanfare on either end. Someone's going to be pissed. Someone's not going to be pissed. They're going to yell about it and it's going to cause like an issue. Yeah. And so and so my hope is that the event – that, that it, everything takes place. 
and it happens, and we're done. Yeah. And, like, and we move past it quickly. Yeah. So I expect the school to be actually kind of low-key about it. That's yeah. my guess. Yeah. No, I would agree. All right. So, I mean, that, that's, the, that's our controversy for the day. Let's – so less controversial coming up on Friday. For those of you guys who said, hey, look, I still want a little bit more Villanova basketball. You've got the Wooden Award Ceremony, or as my wife calls it, the Wooden Award Ceremony. <laughs> the Wooden. Not to be confused with the Russell Wooten. <laughs> yes. It's not the Russell Wooten Award Ceremony. No. Uh, anyway, the, the Wooden Award Ceremony is this Friday at 8 p.m. on ESPNU. Villanova's own Jalen Brunson should be, should be getting an award. But I do want to call out Jay Wright also getting an award. Yeah. He's getting, it's like the Lifetime Achievement or whatever it is, something like Coaching Legends Award, something like that, which was announced back in February, I want to say, or even earlier than that. Worked out quite well for them to pick Jay Wright this year. I mean, it's, it should be pretty cool. Um, so definitely tune in there if you guys are looking to kind of, I guess it's a kind of the official closeout of the college basketball season. I feel like it's a little bit of a miss, though. I feel like they should do it before the season. It kind of feels like an Every other end. award was before. Yeah. Why are we going to wait till after? I don't know. It seems kind of strange. Like, they're just, like, tacking it on at the end. Like, oh, yeah, it's the close. I'm like, eh, the close was kind of at the championship game. This is, you're just, you're just dragging this on a little bit. Right. Um, all right, so we got that coming up. And then should we, uh, should we wrap it out with a little, a little heart monitor? Yeah. Let's wrap it up. So Josh has been good since coming back. Came back. He got another... Um, we gave him a, a quick recap. The thirteen and thirteen after the last game, which we touched on last podcast, had eight and ten again. Led the team in rebounding. Yeah. He's a l- rebounding machine, man. Oh yeah, like oh, yeah. he gets a couple of years under his belt. Dude's gonna average a double double, like no problem. He hunts for rebounds. Oh, he loves it. <laughs> he loves rebounds. <laughs> he's bad. He's been like that man. since college, though. It's true. He's it's always true. been. That's not a new development. Yeah. Um. So that's good. Lakers are out of it. Lakers are out of it, unfortunately. No, he's not out of it. Kyle. The Toronto Raptors with Kyle Lowry. Dude. First place in the East. First place in the East. Although, are you picking them to come out of the East? No. Who are you picking? <laughs> LeBron. Yeah. The LeBron. It's really hard, especially LeBrons. knowing now that Kyrie got hurt and is yeah. out for the season. It's really hard to predict anyone other than LeBron James coming out until proven otherwise. Um, but, I mean, look, the Raptors have a good shot. They're going to be the one seed. They are They're going to have the yeah. quote-unquote easiest road. Um, so you it, could have – what is Cleveland going to be, the three? No, no they're, they're further uh, down. Are they further, further down? Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, it is – doesn't matter the standings. It's just hard to beat LeBron four times in seven games. The third seed, okay. They're the third seed. They're tied with, with the, the Sixers. Sixers yeah. <laughs> well, if they if the Sixers somehow come out of the East and go into the championship, oh, smoked. Yeah, smoked. Yeah, they're sure. gonna get Villanova. Sh- sure, but like they might as well like redesign the Wells Fargo Center in pure gold. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, it's a year of Philly sports. Oh, while we're on Kyle, if you guys haven't checked it out, check out Kyle's interview. Yeah. Post, um, he's getting interviewed like I think it was like prior to a Raptors game, right after the championship. And we touched on it before. The dude is the biggest Villanova proponent. Oh, yeah. So he goes through this interview and proceeds to answer every question as if he's a Villanova player, essentially. Yes. 
They were like, how are you gonna how are you gonna win tonight? He's like, I'm gonna play 48 minutes of Villanova basketball. <laughs> he literally said that. Yeah. He he goes, was in college, it was the full 40. In 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 uh, in uh, in the pros, it's the full 48. And the best part is, he then calls out the reporters. He's, he's like, after he keeps answering things like he's a Villanova player, he goes, Yo, you guys can keep asking me questions, but. Uh, I'm going to keep answering them like uh, Villanova. So if you're cool with that, keep asking. Yeah, <laughs> it's go like, for it. was it. amazing. Yeah, <laughs> Just go for it. straight up like we're doing yeah, You this. guys think I'm playing, but I'm not playing. He's got the Natty Championship hat on. The yeah. dude is just, oh my gosh, he's amazing. Um, and then last but not least, Arch, who took the private jet into San Antonio for the championship First game. First of all, the players were there. Everybody was there. It was a reunion, which was phenomenal. Um, Arch took the private jet in and then private jetted back out. He's getting some nice PT right now with the Bulls, who have shut down Chris Dunn for the season. So Arch got like 20 minutes the other day. Didn't do a whole lot with his 20 minutes. But he's getting the PT. He is proving that he can be an NBA player. I just hope somebody gives him a shot next year. Because I know he can definitely be a solid contributor. Uh, but yeah, so I think that's the heart monitor. I mean, God, yeah, I wish, man, I wish the Lakers were making a run. I want more Josh updates. He's going to yeah. be such a good pro. He is going to be terrific. I want to talk about one more thing. Let's talk about former players. Yeah. I love Chris Jenkins and Daniel Oshefu, particularly on Twitter. They go all in over after every single reporter who has ever talked shit about Villanova. Yeah. Doug Gottlieb in particular is their number one enemy. So Kyle Lowry actually gets asked about Doug oh, Gottlieb. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, who? I don't even know who that is. Yeah. <laughs> like, like plays it off like, Psh, I don't even know. That guy sucks. Like – but Chris Jenkins just goes in on Doug Gottlieb. Doug Gottlieb is a dick. <laughs> like, he finds a way to say things. And he, he, like, always responds, like, I don't understand why everyone's, like, so mad at me. Like, I'm just trying to talk the truth. Like, fine. If you want to have your idea of the truth, that's fine. That's his fine. persona, though. That's, that, that's fine. You just have to be a dick. He's a dick. Doug Gottlieb sucks. Anyway, yeah. Not uh, telling you guys anything you don't know. Yeah. Oh, speaking of chef, though. My best is uh, my favorite is Chef on on Instagram. He count comments on everything. He just goes, duh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a hundred H's. Yeah, after. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's phenomenal. I love it. And then and then I don't know if you saw this. So we'll end the um, podcast on this. But Phil Booth today, when he gets up there, he goes, "I got to say something from the bottom of my heart," and he clearly was. And I don't know if people. I think this was lost a lot of people. He goes, he puts up a V, he goes, go Cats, go Cats. Like at the, at the end of his speech, which was the last speech, yeah. I am confident that he was like doing a subtle dig, like kind of like poking fun at Oshefu. <laughs> at Oshefu, when Oshefu was getting interviewed and Oshefu was like, go Cats, go Cats. Like that's exactly what Booth did at the <laughs> end of this, um, at the end of the championship parade today. That's awesome. And that was totally what he was going for. I like uh, it. Um, but yeah, so with that note, we're going to wrap it up at the Go Cats. Go Cats! Go Cats! Go Cats! Um, and yeah, check us out Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, email. It's all in this podcast. If you made it this far, you've already heard that for sure. Yeah. Um, we're going to wrap it up. Congratulations to the Nova Nation. We are once again national champions. Congratulations to Jay You're Wright. So good. Congratulations to Jay Wright and the entire team on what was an epic season. 90% winning percentage. Just one of the most unbelievable teams I've ever seen in college basketball. You and, and I played a huge role. Yep. 
You draw. Absolutely. Thank you for making this podcast last longer <laughs> by winning those all Seriously. those games um, and giving us awesome fodder in season one. Great year to start a podcast. Yeah, really, really <laughs> struck while the iron was hot. Um, we're going to be back with plenty of content in the off season. We're really excited about it, as usual. Are we excited? Or we're excited. always excited. Um, yeah, we're going to wrap it up. And as always, let's, let's go, go Nova. Nova.